Hey everyone, in this video we're going to follow up uh, from our very first video, How Humility uh, Shapes Your Identity, and in this session we're going to go over a few words just in case there were some underlying questions while you were watching. See you in a minute. Welcome back, welcome back to a second episode here of Humility Before Honor. I'm your very unconventional host, Michael Waldron. And today, we're just going to do a follow-up to our very first episode, uh, How Humility Shapes Your True Identity. And if you have not seen that video, please go back and watch that, uh, because you, you will need to see it to be able to follow along. So today, I just want to bring some, clar some clarity, because um, I'm sure that there may have been some questions that people were thinking about. And we just want to go over um, the difference between the word humble and humility, and then give an example of uh, what I said in the previous episode about when going through a process of humility, how God will actually supply you the ability to be able to do something that he's bringing you through, uh, in this case, the process of humility. Um, but I want to cover this today because someone might have asked the question they, while they were watching that video, Michael, but doesn't it say that um, aren't I supposed to humble myself? I mean, isn't there a Bible scripture somewhere in the Old Testament uh, where I'm, I'm supposed to humble myself and repent and turn from my wicked ways and, and God will heal my land, that, that scripture. In the New Testament, the word humble, and always remember, in God's kingdom, it is a kingdom language. What God means in his word does not always mean the same thing to our English understanding. Also, from God's perspective and his kingdom and his way of doing things. Remember, the kingdom of God is like another country. It has its own culture. It has its own way of thinking. It has its own way of speaking. All right. It has its own uh, lifestyle and everything included in it. But being willing to the things of God and to his kingdom is, is the most important step for any Christian, for any unbeliever, all right? And you will always hear me often talk about the difference between, now and in the future, you will always hear me talk about the difference between kingdom and religion, law and grace, or law or grace, all right? But this channel is about teaching you, the Christian, you, the, the pastor, the leader of your church, and also uh, you, uh, uh, the unbeliever, uh, or maybe you do believe in Jesus, but you don't, um, you don't understand uh, what the kingdom of God really means. And for the most part, a lot of Christians don't understand uh, what the kingdom of God is. They don't understand how, how his kingdom functions. They understand how church functions. They understand how religion functions. Uh, but Christianity uh, has uh, over... Over the generations, Christianity in itself has become a religion. Oh, what did I just say? I said a whole lot. Christianity has become a religion. And there's a major difference between Christianity, the, Christianity, the religion, versus the Christian who is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, or the, a citizen, citizen of the kingdom of God. All of humanity is one of three mindsets, okay? There's three mindsets that exist. You could be worldly-minded, religious-minded, or kingdom-minded. 
Okay. So when I'm teaching people uh, uh, the gospel, the Bible, I'm always coming from the standpoint of the kingdom of God. When Jesus showed up on the scene over 2,000 years ago when he started his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said that in Matthew. But in Luke's gospel, he said, repent and believe the gospel. He was talking about believe the good news. But when he was saying the word repent, okay, the word repent, the word repent means to change your mind towards something. Okay. Christianity has made that word very religious. The word repent has been used almost as a religious baseball bat. You must repent. You must repent of your sin. You must have remorse for your sin. Hold the religious thumping here, okay? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the grace of God, the goodness of God, that leads men's hearts to turn to change their mind how they see him and the way that humanity is able to change their mind how they see god is how the person preaching his word presents it okay so my job here in this channel these videos now and in the future and even to all generations uh, including i say this now even to my own children who will watch this uh, my own grandchildren uh, I say this in advance because even in the kingdom of God, we can speak things and create. We can create with our words because death and life is in the power of the tongue. And I'm speaking it now that those who will watch this now and in the future and the subsequent generations uh, will have this as, as a legacy to watch. All right. So back to what I was saying about uh, correctly preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Okay. It's. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And the word repentance means to change your mind towards something. And I'll go over that more in another video. But um, for now, let me go back to the task that I had started with, because I don't want to go down too many rabbit, rabbit holes or rabbit trails and then get off the topic. So humility and humble. The word humble in the New Testament, there's actually two Greek words for that. All right. And I'm presenting this because I want you to understand the difference between humble and humility. Now, the word humble in, in one meaning, uh, it's a Greek word called um, tapainas, tapainas. And that word tapainas, what that means is um, it's a depressed state. It's, a, it's when someone feels um, cast down. For example, um, Let's say a young man is, is, at, is at his high school. Let's say there's a dance going on in, in um, junior high school. All right. And a uh, young man like that, 12, 13 years old, he's coming of age. He's building up his confidence. All right. Now let's say he goes up to, uh, to a girl in his class that, that he likes. And he goes up to her and he asks her to dance with him. But she turns him down because there's another guy in her class that she likes. And she wants to dance with him. So she turns... She turns this other, this, this first uh, young man that we're talking about, she turns him down. Now, there's several ways that young man may deal with that. He may be one of those young men that's kind of advanced in his confidence, and he might just blow that off and go ask somebody else. Uh, but what about in the situation when it's a young man who, you know, he doesn't really know who he is yet. And um, I, I think most 12 or 13-year-olds would kind of, in that moment, feel rejected or cast down. They might feel a little down, you know, like, oh, man, she didn't pick me. All right. But 
maybe another young man, he might even handle that a little, maybe a little bit harder. He, he, he may not ask another girl for the next six months to a dance. <laughs> so, but, um, and some people respond to that differently. Everybody's on a different level, of, uh, a different level of growth, but let's go with the extreme example. Or maybe the young, young man, he doesn't feel good about himself. Okay. In that case, according to that first Greek word that I just said, tapainas, tapainas, he is in a, a humble state. He is feeling a certain way. So he's in a humble state. And so the scripture says in James 4, 6, that God, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the depressed. He gives grace to those cast down. All right. Now, the other meaning for the word humble is uh, uh, it's, all right, it's more like, um, well, first of all, the pronunciation of that Greek word is tapainau. Uh, Tapanau, all right, and what that one means that that humble is um, is an action that one takes. So, for example, let's say the Queen of uh, well, no longer the Queen of England, but the King of England, King Charles. Let's say, you know, he walks into a room, and most commonly, what would happen is a a man would lower their head, okay, or a woman she may also lower her head, but she'll curtsy. But in both cases, either gender will lower them in in a place of honor before the king will lower themselves they will bow okay they're bringing themselves into a lowly state and that's what that word humble means okay and in matthew 23 verse 12 it is written uh, the scripture says and he and he that shall humble and i'm sorry it says and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted okay so that's the difference between those two words. But when we talk about humility, okay, humility is a process. And that's what I covered in the very first video, that humility is a process that God brings an individual through when there is an expected end, an expected end result that he wants to get that person to. So it's a process. And it's a process uh, most commonly of a of affliction, okay, but it's not the type of affliction where you're getting you're getting whipped whip with a rope, all right, or something like that. It's something that um, that affliction, that process that one will go through. Uh, it, it's something that is tough, but in the process, God supplies the ability to be able to do so. And the example I gave in the last video uh, was when I heard a pastor say. Even Jesus washed the feet of Judas. When I heard that, I was able to take the action that I needed to take to go befriend my friend who had who had grievously uh, and seriously wounded me. All right. So, but today I want to give an example out of the book, uh, out of the book of Judges, chapter six. I want to talk about a young man in the Bible named Gideon. All right. Now Gideon, Gideon uh, in Judges chapter six. Uh, was um, someone that was an unlikely hero. He was someone that would be uh, in today's elementary school dodgeball uh, uh, dodgeball uh, competition. He would be the last one chosen. He would be that that weak kid that nobody would want on their team. All right, he's the type of person that in today's society would be overlooked. Maybe overlooked on a job. Maybe overlooked. Let's get real personal. Gideon is the type of person that would be overlooked for their race. Gideon is the type of person that would be overlooked uh, for uh, would be overlooked or, or or looked past. Okay, 
because he didn't look the part. Gideon was not the type of person that looked the part in his day. He was from the smallest uh, tribe in the 12 tribes of Israel, and his clan that he belonged to in his tribe was the smallest. And not only that, he was the smallest in his own family. He is the type of person that would not be um, picked to succeed in life. He's someone that would be very uh, uh, um, unassuming, someone that you would not think had a lot of power behind them, but does. So when God showed up in Judges chapter 6, it's the angel of the Lord appeared before Gideon. He called him mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. And I have chosen you to free your country from the Midianites. And you will go uh, as one man, but you will go, God said, with me behind you. But he would go with so much strength and power of the Lord, but as one man. All right. And that's and in the kingdom of God, that's how God is he'll take someone that no one would consider he takes someone that normally probably would have been bullied someone that society would not even give a chance to all right um maybe even some of you may even have come from families where you were not where you were not allowed to to be yourself maybe you were you had to be that type of person in your family where you had to live up to other people's expectations Maybe you're the type of person that's that is a people pleaser, may not realize it, but we de- oftentimes we depend upon the opinions of others for how we feel. We depend upon uh, uh, others for um, you know when we make a decision. We we often, sometimes we we want to know what other people think, which is wise. But sometimes our choices depend upon uh, what other people tell us to do, and. You often can see that, and I'm, I'm going to get a real, real personal example even now. You can see that often in, in even when Donald Trump was president and often how he went after the media. Uh, the argument all the time was, is that people listen to the media more than thinking for themselves. Okay. Gideon was the type of person who did not think for himself. All right. And so God takes someone, uh, again, that would never be considered an unlikely hero and God turns that person's life around from the inside out and builds a strong character in them. He builds a boldness in them. Someone that would never preach the gospel on a subway train or maybe never even talk to anybody because they're so shy and afraid. All right. God will use that type of person and turn them around and they'll have the loudest voice ever. That was me. So anyway, but let's talk about Gideon. So Gideon in the book, uh, uh, we introdu- we're introduced to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, but in Judges chapter 7, Gideon, God has already brought him through a process of humility. He took 32,000 of Gideon's men and, and reduced it to a number of 300 soldiers. Read about it. But I want to touch on the point where Gideon was still unsure of himself. He was still filled with doubt. He was still filled with unbelief. Okay. But here is an example of one how God is bringing us through a process. How he is the one that supplies what we need to be able to do so. God does it. And here's a very great example. As I read verse 10 in the New Living Translation, and Gideon's about to go to battle, but he's getting a little shaky. In verse 10, God says, but if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah. 
listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. Now, when you read along in this, Gideon, God told that to Gideon to encourage him. But Gideon did not yet have the understanding of why God said that. And oftentimes that's what God does. He doesn't give us the understanding right away in something because he wants us to keep moving along. And as we move along, he gives us the next, um, he gives us the next slice of pizza, so to speak. So, but looking down here, going up into verse 14, all right. Now, God told Gideon that instruction in verse 10 and 11, all right. Now, as we go down to verse 13, Gideon crept up. He's going into, into the immediate camp right now. Gideon crept up just as a man. So here he is. Let me, let me clarify this verse. I'm sorry. So Gideon crawled into the Medianite camp. Um, he went down to the edge of the camp to listen. All right. So in verse 13, he's, he's, he's slowly creeping up and he's able to hear. He's able to overhear a conversation that the Medianites, the enemy, is having. So in verse 13, it says, Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, quote, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Medianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. Verse 14, his companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. Verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. That's that humble word. That's that second humble word I talked about before. When you humble yourself and you give honor to a queen, uh, excuse me, to a king, okay, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. And then he turned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. So God, God gives Gideon instruction. You don't think you, if you're afraid to attack, go down there and listen. But Gideon has no idea that Someone at the other end that he's about to overhear, he had no idea that that was going to be said. He had no idea he was going to overhear a conversation like that. But you see how God positions things. God gives Gideon. See, this is why God is the author and finisher of our faith. He starts the faith in us and he ends the faith in us. We're not the ones that muster the faith to do something. God is the one that gives us the ability. Hmm? God gives us that ability for faith to increase in us, all right? So here he was, he told Gideon to do something, and he already, ahead of him, set up a conversation that he was going to overhear when the man said, oh, your dream, man number two, his companion that he was talking to, your dream means that, that God has given the victory to Gideon. And when Gideon heard that, his unbelief and his doubt immediately left, and he got excited, and he rallied his 300 men. And when you read the rest of the chapter, they got the victory, and the victory against the Midianites. Their army was huge. All right? So, when I was again, when I was talking about the process of humility in the last video, God gave me an ability. He, he gave me 
uh, he supplied and gave me an ability to do something. And in this example, he gave Gideon the ability to do something. Okay. And that's what the grace of God is. Gideon did not go in his own self-effort or his own strength to try to do something. That's the difference between the religion, Christianity and the religion, and then being a Christian who is a part of God's kingdom. Kingdom-mindedness versus religion-mindedness. Religion-mindedness tells you that you got to do it, and you got to do your best and do your best so that you could be accepted before God and, and even try to earn your blessings and earn right standing with God and earn a position with, with God. But in the but in the kingdom of God, it's more that it's the other way around. All right. God is responsible for you. God is the one that helps you. God is the one that gives you the ability. Because if we could do everything in our own ability, we wouldn't need him. But when God comes in our life, when, when, when the Father, when Jesus is in our lives, and again, the Bible says that no one gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ, so let me clarify that. But when we have Jesus in our lives, all right, look, because sometimes people who are very successful in life, they also, well, I don't need God in my life. I'm, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm fine. I'm, I'm successful. Um, I, I got a great job. I got, you know, whatever it is. But you see, when it comes to the kingdom of God, how he thinks and his plans that he has for us are a heck of a lot higher and a lot more than we would ever see and a lot more than we could ever expect for ourselves. Okay. When he told the prophet in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he said, I, he's talking, he's, I'm paraphrasing because I'm in front of me right now, but you can look it up too. He's telling the prophet that he has an expected end for him. He has a hope and a future for him, not, 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 um, not defeat. Okay. Um, but you see, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, there got God's plan is almost, almost always better than ours. Even the best one that we can, th that we can think of for ourselves, God's is better than that. It's always better than that. All right. But you have to come to him to find out. So that's all I have today. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. For discipleship and mentoring, or to be referred to a local church, or if you just have a question uh, about this ministry or anything that's been covered, please contact uh, us through the email uh, that will be presented uh, at the end of this video. God bless you. Receive all things new. In Jesus' name, amen.